0: Hey friend, do you want to offer meaningful learning solutions that create behavior change, fit in the flow of work, and yield real results for your nonprofit? If yes, this is the podcast for you. Join me as I explore instructional design and leadership development best practices, as well as change management, belonging, and influence. If we haven't met yet, I'm Heather, and I've been in your shoes. I'm a learning and development consultant and founder of Skillmasters Market, before starting my business, I led learning and leadership development initiatives for a large national nonprofit. I know what it's like to need to develop your staff quickly and effectively and to build the relationships and cut through the organizational layers to be successful. And I'm bringing all of that to you and this podcast. So block your calendar, turn off your Teams or Slack chat, and let's dive in. It's learning for good. Could your nonprofit's training save someone's life? Could it help a staff person navigate an intense call on a crisis line? Could it help a volunteer connect a person who is unhoused to much-needed resources? Could it help your leaders find millions of dollars to fund their organizations? The answer is yes. Good training has a real impact on those who receive it. It can shift mindset. It can build It can change the way your organization works. It can help you accomplish your mission. And that's what I want to share with you today. This is one example of many of how training can have an incredible impact. In this case, it might have saved someone's life. Listen in as nonprofit leader Lauren Wiley shares how a training at her nonprofit impacted the midwives and doulas they train and ultimately the pregnant and postpartum women they serve. Let's dive in. It's learning for good. Lauren holds a master's degree in certificates in infant mental health from Erickson Institute. She earned the Illinois Association for Infant Mental Health Infant and Early Childhood Mental Health Credential in 2012. She holds endorsements through the Association for Infant Mental Health in Tennessee as an Infant Family Reflective Supervisor and an Infant Family Specialist. Lauren is an active member of the Consultation Council for the Center of Excellence for Infant and Early Childhood Mental Health Consultation at Georgetown University. Lauren has extensive experience using a reflective, relationship-based approach in her work with children parents, and early childhood professionals in school systems, mental health agencies, home visiting programs, and residential treatment programs. She has consulted on the assessment and treatment of young children, adolescents, and their families in the early intervention system, the Department of Children and Family Services, community health agencies, home visiting programs, center-based programs, and residential treatment facilities. Lauren's work with teachers has been featured in the Heckinger Report and the New York Times. Lauren currently works for Start Early as Assistant Director of Quality and Systems for the Professional Learning Network Division. I am so excited that Lauren has joined me today to talk more about this training and the impact that it has had on the, her organization and the people that they serve. Lauren, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Heather.
0: So, I always start with a question about your individual career journey. I like to get to know the interviewee. I like for my listeners to be able to learn a little bit about you and where you're coming from. So, yes, I can share a little bit about your bio and your career journey, but I love to hear it in your own words. How did you get where you are today?
1: So I took a roundabout way to get where I'm at today. I started college as a business major and finished as a finance major with a minor in English writing. My passion was writing, but my father would not pay for that. He told me the only way he would pay for college is if I went into business. So off I went to St. Mary's College in Notre Dame, Indiana to study business. And six years after graduating, I quit my job as a personal banker in a Chicago bank because I hated the work and I hated business. I thought, wait a minute, I'm early on in my career. Do people hate their work as much as I do? And so I just quit. And to make ends meet and continue to live in Chicago in my apartment until I could figure out what I was going to do, I became a barmaid. Yeah, much to the dismay of my dad, who reminded me that he was still paying off my student loans. So shortly after my barmaid career, I took a job with Junior Achievement as a district manager for the DuPage County. And I found that I really enjoyed working with adolescents and making connections with businesses to mentor the teens. And I just, the energy they gave off really gave me quite a bit of energy. So it was at this time that I met my husband who was a social worker on an acute mental health unit at a hospital in the town that I grew up in, Kankakee, in Illinois. And I became fascinated with the stories he and his colleagues would tell about the lives of the kids they were working with. And I found, I really think I want to do more with the kids that are less successful than the ones I'm working with in junior achievement. They were kids who had a lot of resources. And something told me, that's not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be with kids that struggle and don't have the resources. And I became curious about why teenagers, especially the ones that my husband was telling me about, make the choices they do. And I wondered what kind of lives do these kids live, that this is their path, that these are the choices they're making. So I remember thinking about like how have their lives unfolded. So I knew I loved working with teens, but I thought I really even want to work with them younger. So someone shared some information with me about Erickson Institute. And after looking into it and meeting with one of the instructors there, I applied. And because I did not have a background in education, and they were still willing to take a risk on me, I'd never really worked with children between the ages of birth and eight in a direct way. I was accepted, but had to work in a preschool for a year to gain some experience and knowledge about young children. So I realized early on that I was not interested in teaching. I could not do a lesson plan in a classroom because I wanted to think outside the box. And I was always like... What if we did it differently? Or what about the kids that don't respond or react to the lessons in the way that they're supposed to? I was really interested in those kids that were struggling or were getting into trouble. Those were the kids that I was drawn to. So I had an insatiable curiosity and still do about why kids behave the way that they do and what makes them do the things that they did at the time. So I finished my master's degree at Erickson and went looking for a job that would allow me to work with kids that were less successful in school. So a friend of mine was working in a high school on a drug and alcohol-free grant to promote making healthy and good choices. And she was leaving to pursue other opportunities. She told me about the position. So I applied and got the job and worked with adolescents for a few years. And I loved that work. It was probably one of my favorite jobs. I developed a really good relationship with the principal and he went along with my progressive ideas to find alternatives to kicking kids out of school. I told him, I said, This is a small, very rural town with a high poverty rate, and the minute you kick these kids out of school, they will be burglarizing your homes and your cars while you're working. So please don't sentence them to a life of being a criminal. Please give them the hope that they should have to do the things that they want to do as well. So... As long as what I did was I went to my principal and I said, listen, give me a large room. And rather than suspend or expel the kids, let me work with them. As long as they came to school, they would be able to get their work and I would help them get through their classes. So it's like individual tutoring. But we also did some work around their social skills and around the decisions they made. And I don't know, maybe it was therapy, but I didn't think of it in those terms. I just thought it was getting to know kids and helping them. And they taught me so much about resilience and strength. They really did. For the most part, they were successful. And I think they actually developed a sense of belonging with the other students in the room. At the time, I think I had eight or 10 kids I was working with. And they were all very special to me. They became known as Wiley's kids. So some of the girls were sent to me because they were pregnant and truant, often because of a multitude of reasons for their truancy, including working jobs after school, babysitting their siblings if their parents work evenings, just tough lives in some ways. And the agreement was they could stay in school and not get into trouble as long as they showed up. So even if they were sick or not feeling like working on schoolwork, they still had to come into the classroom. They still had to be in my room. I remember one time one of my senior girls was very pregnant and she didn't show up for school. I called her house. and I talked with her mom who told me, that she had worked late the evening before and was refusing to get out of bed. So I asked her to get her out of bed that I was coming to get her. So this was a long time ago. I don't know that I could get away with this today, but I showed up and she was so mad, but she got into the car with me. I took her to the bakery, got her some food, and we went to the classroom. Years later, I was with my family out for breakfast, and she was the server and introduced herself to my kids. She told them that she remembered how much I cared, even when she didn't care enough about herself. She was proud of herself that she was raising her young child and working and admitted that she didn't know where she would be if she would have dropped out. Then I realized that I was interested in what was happening to the babies and the moms when the girls graduated from school. It's like, where are they going? What's happening to them? So I asked our superintendent if we could apply for the early childhood block grant for the prevention initiative program. And he told me, fine, if you want to write the grant, And we get it, you can do that. And if not, you go back into the high school. That's a deal, I got it. So I wrote the grant, we got it. And my first group of clients were those same moms that I had at the high school. And it was wonderful. I enjoyed it very much. And I do remember it as one of my favorite jobs. So from there, I worked on an acute mental health unit in a hospital setting and met one of my mentors who believed in me and my abilities to work with kids and make a difference. And after a few years... I became a clinical supervisor in a residential treatment program with young children between the ages of 6 and 12 who had sexual behavior problems. So they'd been severely abused, but they also had done something that caught the attention of the adults who were working with them. And so they were put into residential treatment. My son and daughter were very young at the time, and the intensity of that work in residential was a bit more than I could really imagine. Manage as a mom myself. So I left there and I went back to the school district for a bit. So in the early 2000s, I was approached by Linda Gilkerson, another mentor of mine from Erickson Institute, to think about the Infant Mental Health Certificate Program. And I quickly found myself back in school. That program, I have to say, was life-changing as it really grounded me in reflective practice and infant mental health. It just clicked with me. And after graduating, I was one of the first infant mental health consultants for Illinois in the McVie work. The maternal, infant, and early childhood home visiting work. And I consulted with home visiting, center-based programs and community mental health agencies, working with children for many years. I took a brief detour later on and became an executive vice president of community-based services for a healthcare agency, but I really found I missed the early childhood work and my colleagues in infant mental health began looking for work in that field again. And my search didn't last long as I was looking for other work at the same time the Ounce of Prevention, or Start Early as it is now known, was looking for an infant mental health specialist to develop a program at the request of the Illinois State Board. So there was a goodness of fit, as they say, and here I am. I've spent my entire professional life working in nonprofit organizations, and I found that work to be incredibly fulfilling because it often gets right to the heart of issues. Full circle, though. I am a writer in my spare time (laughs) since raising my own kids and watching them launch their own careers and families. My husband and I took a major risk after our kids moved out and launched their own families and careers. We sold our family home in Illinois, and we moved to Nashville, Tennessee, after learning that COVID made it possible to work remotely. So in Nashville, I found my writer's group, and I'm writing personal essays as we speak. So while I took the detour to get where I'm at today, I wouldn't change a thing. My journey made me very self-aware and I tried many things I would never have tried had I gone the traditional route of choosing a field or career and staying with it. I really relied on my relationships with others to help guide and direct my career. So relationship-based work is inside of me. It's how I've gotten to where I'm at today. My motto has always been, I may not know how to do what you're asking me to do, but give me a chance and I will show you I'm a quick learner. Just give me an opportunity. That's my philosophy in life. Stay curious. Try new things and never, ever shy away from something because it is unfamiliar or new. Learn it and challenge yourself.
0: Do you wish you could connect with other nonprofit learning and development leaders? I know what it feels like to want someone to bounce ideas off of and to learn from someone who really understands you and your work. Imagine if you could have a simple way to meet people in the field, ask questions and share information. That's why I created the Nonprofit Learning and Development Collective where Nonprofit L&D, Talent Management and DEI leaders can connect with each other quickly and easily in a virtual space. When you join this community, you will walk away with a new, diverse and powerful network and a sounding board for your staff development needs. So if you're ready to exchange ideas and collaborate with your peers, come join the Nonprofit L&D Collective. I love that. I love hearing other people's career journeys because so many of them are winding and end up being a little bit of a tapestry, right? Like hard to see how you got from one place to the other. And if you look at the back it'd be a bit messy, but the front, right, is beautiful. And that's how our careers tend to be. So I love that you took several detours to get where you are today. And you've enjoyed each of those in different ways. And that you came full circle to become a writer as well. Might as well pursue those dreams in whatever way we can. So I want to talk a little bit about a particular training that you all offer. So before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you are with Start Early in the Professional Learning Network Division. Tell us a little bit about who your group provides training to and what kind of training you provide.
1: Okay. So Start Early really has three major branches of work, and much of their funding for some of the other branches comes from private funding or through fundraising. And so, and those are like macro level, like their policy. We have a policy division, both at the national and state level. We have research, and those are really macro. Those are like looking at working with the decision makers to make decisions about children and their families, primarily those living in poverty in Illinois. The third kind of branch is programs, and that is where our division lives, the Professional Learning Network, or PLN as we call it. So my work is as the assistant director, and a large part of my work is overseeing the revision and development of the content for courses and trainings, and many of the communities of practice, reflective practice groups, and learning communities. So that's my oversight. The majority of our funding is not private. It comes from public funding from the Illinois State Board of Education and the Illinois Department of Human Services, the Division of Early Childhood. So we are contracted to provide all of the training and technical assistance for the Birth to Three home visiting and center-based programs in Illinois, funded by those two state agencies. Start Early is also the only state agency able to provide Parents as Teachers training, which is a program model for home visiting, and training for the Healthy Families Illinois, which is another program model for the Birth to Three home visiting world. We also provide all the statewide training for the doula programs funded by ISBE and DHS, as well as we provide all of the technical assistance for those programs as well. So training, and we follow through with technical assistance in a number of different ways through our communities of practice, reflective learning groups, but also individual Our TAs go either out to sites and visit with them, or they do it by phone or email or video. But we provide all the technical assistance for funder requirements, model fidelity, and best practices in working with children and families. So we do this with a team of trainers and technical assistance providers of only 10. So they stay very busy.
0: I bet they are busy. Sounds like a lot of training and a lot of technical assistance that you all are able to provide throughout the state of Illinois, which is amazing. We want to focus today on one specific training that you all offer, which is home visiting strategies to promote maternal health. So how did this training come to be and who is it for? Tell us a little bit about what it is.
1: Okay. So back to relationship-based work, because, well, Start Early was approached by the University of Illinois and it was... Through a colleague that used to actually work for Start Early, and she's now at the University of Illinois, and she invited us to take a look and consider revising a mental health training that had been developed for a group of early childhood professionals by medical professionals from the Department of Public Health and the Department of Psychiatry in collaboration with the Governor's Office of Early Childhood Development, the Maternal, Infant, and Early Childhood Home Visiting Program. That's a mouthful, but it was a collaboration, okay? And Starterly was not part of that collaboration yet. So she approached us and she explained that the funding for the original training had come through a grant opportunity from the Health Resources and Services Administration of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. It's also called HRSA. And so HERSA had given funding for this as part of a financial assistance award totaling $9.5 million to the University of Illinois Department of Medicine. This specific program was referred to as I Promote Illinois. So I Promote stood for Innovations to Improve Maternal Outcomes in Illinois. So the training had, although it had really originally been developed for a group of medical folks, they tried to deliver it to a group of home visitors who provided feedback that the content was way more medically focused than they were comfortable or even felt prepared to discuss with pregnant persons or new moms. They just felt like that's not their area of expertise. So our contact requested that we revise it for a more traditional group of early childhood home visiting professionals. And the focus of the group was to address the high rates of maternal mortality in the state of Illinois by providing home visitors with the relevant information and methods of talking with pregnant moms who had recently given birth. So there were specific topics and risk factors that were highlighted to be included in the content. So we got the old presentation and we got, this is how we need to change it. We need to make it relevant and applicable for home visiting programs. So Sophie Bylan, who is one of our staff members, worked alongside you, Heather, when you were contracting with us to revise the training after completing a comprehensive landscape analysis to see what else is out there in the state of Illinois, or really nationally, around maternal health and well-being. And so this revision was then, we revised it, and it was presented to the original group of professionals responsible for approving the content. And we thought we had a beautiful product. They felt a little differently. The group included individuals from the University of Illinois, the School of Public Health, the University of Illinois, the Department of Psychiatry a nurse practitioner practicing in the Chicagoland area, and then the Illinois Department of Human Services. Not one of those people have expertise in home visiting. That was our area of expertise. But yet, we still had to respond to what they wanted to see in the training. So we made multiple attempts at a revision very patiently. And I remember you working with us very patiently to make the revisions that were finally agreed upon by the larger group and the training we agreed to pilot it to the original group of home visitors that had received the initial training because we wanted to see if we had heard their feedback and made the changes that made it more relevant and applicable for them. And so there were also some additional home visitors and programs funded by the McVee program through the governor's office that attended this pilot as well. So the pilot group feedback resulted in additional revisions And it was also determined that the training now called Home Visiting Strategies to Promote Maternal Health would be delivered as a virtual series, two half days, and a community of practice to discuss how the content had been used to assure knowledge to practice. Initially, the group that developed the initial training were not interested in a community of practice. They said, just deliver it in two half days. But I felt strongly that in order to see knowledge to practice in order to see if people understood the content in a way that is useful to them, we should include a community of practice. So it's two half days relatively close together, and then a community of practice like a month or so later. So it gives people an opportunity to try out the strategies and the discussion points that were discussed. And so originally, it was embedded into our doula training catalog and was first delivered in November of 2022. But we realized home visitors in general need this information. So we need to open it to home visitors, not just doulas. So we really expanded that. So yeah, our evaluation results indicated that training participants felt overwhelmingly more confident and comfortable initiating and engaging in discussions with mothers about their own medical follow-up care and signs of more significant risks to their health, hypertension, hemorrhaging, and infection. These risk factors were described in ways that are impacted by social determinants of health, specifically the ways in which environmental factors affect the mother's health. The series is still, we're still assessing it for continued effectiveness, and it will be included in our continuous quality improvement rotation going forward. But in August of 2023, I'm excited about this, Last August, we were invited by the University of Illinois, the original holders of this content, and the Governor's Office of Early Childhood to be a virtual co-presenter at the National Maternal Health Innovation Symposium. And it was a brief, very brief presentation, but it resulted in mental health educators and providers from multiple states. They've been in contact with our agency, Start Early, to explore opportunities to attend and or offer the trainings in their own communities. So yeah, we're very excited about
0: that. It sounds like things are going really well with this particular training so far. And I love that you have it in a continuous quality improvement process so that you can continue to collect that feedback and continue to adapt as needed. Make sure that you're really meeting the needs of the home visitors and the doulas while also you've taken into account, right? All of the needs of the partner organizations and what they're looking for. So it's really, it's a nice little marriage, right, of everybody's needs. And one, it's both strategic from that perspective, but also really human-centered to what that learner is experiencing and what they need. And you're able to continue to adapt because of that. You mentioned a little bit some of the results that you've seen, but what are you seeing so far as you have delivered this training? What results are you seeing?
1: So we're really excited with the results of the training, and overwhelmingly, it has really proven to provide home visitors and doulas with more confidence and concrete evidence to have productive and meaningful discussions with mothers about their health and the health of their babies. So it's concrete. It's not theory-based. It's really, these are the things that you look for, and these are the conversations you can have. Lots of role-playing inside of the training so the feedback has been consistently positive, and participants in the training have indicated that they have the skills to initiate conversations that can at times be life-saving. This training is multiple days, and so participants, as I said, they attend the two sessions and then are asked to go and try some of the strategies and see what happens. And so one participant in particular, we were, this was like early on. Very excited that they came back to us during the community of practice and they shared their experiences and shared that because of this training, because of the information she had learned in the training and the way in which to deliver the information and ask questions and follow up with some recommendations without producing anxiety for the mom, but just encouraging her to seek out some help or seek out some further exploration of what's happening in her body the home visitor was able to recognize some significant, urgent warning signs in the mom and encouraged her to seek medical care. The woman contacted her doctor, and come to find out, she required medical attention that she was told potentially saved her life. So that was a big deal for us and for the home visitor. She felt really positive about that, and so other feedback that's been shared include so just some quotes. One of the home visitors said, I feel better now that I'm taking this class and understanding my clients better. I'm able to answer their questions. Another person told us this training helped me understand that all mothers have experiences after childbirth that I should pay more attention to and actually have a plan to help if necessary or just to accompany during and after childbirth. So on a scale of 1 to 10, the average score is about 8.5 when we ask about post-training confidence levels. So we, have re- we feel like we've really accomplished the goal we set out to when the course was developed. However, as you said, continuous quality improvement is a part of our work, and we are always assessing and reevaluating based on feedback, and we'll continue to make revisions as needed.
0: What amazing results you're seeing. And it was getting chill bumps, right? Just thinking about the people that you're impacting. Not only are you helping the home visitors and doulas do their job with more confidence, you're also impacting the people that they're serving and potentially, like you said, saving lives. So that's huge. And I think a lot of times when we create training, we don't always get to follow that line of impact to see exactly what's happening or how it's impacting the organization or the people that we're serving or the larger mission. And in this case, you were able to follow that line and see and hear about that impact,
1: which is, which is huge. It really is. And to be honest with you, I think our work is indirect. We work directly with the early childhood providers of home visiting and doula work. But the direct work comes from those folks, the doulas and the home visitors, and they are feeling competent. They feel really good about it so that they can pass along that confidence to the moms to take agency over their lives and say, I need to get some help here. I need someone to take a look at my physical or my mental wellness on behalf of my baby. So.
0: And what more could you ask for? Lauren, I am so glad you joined me today and you shared more about your work and this particular training and the impact that you're seeing. Thank
1: you for joining me. Thank you for having me. This was very nice. Thank you. Thank you for your help with this as well, Heather. Oh, thank you, Lauren.
0: Okay, we're going to drop some resources in the show notes, just in case you want to know a little bit more about maternal health. And all the things that uh, Start Early is doing in the professional learning network. So, I want to close by just saying training has a real impact. And we know this, but we often don't see the impact. We often don't get to see that happen or hear that feedback in quite the way that Lauren was able to. But you heard that here. You heard the impact that Lauren and her team is having through their training. And if you want more evidence of training impact, go find episode 47, what is the real value of training? In that episode, I have nonprofit leaders sharing what training has meant to them and what the impact has been on them personally. So that's another great one to just get a feel for what the impact of training really is. But I'd love to hear from you. Again, we don't always get to see that impact. We don't always get to follow that through line. But my guess is that you have at least one example of a time where you did receive that feedback. So what impact have you seen from training in your nonprofit? Head over to the Nonprofit Learning and Development Collective and share so that your colleagues from nonprofits all over the world can celebrate the work that you do. That's it for today. I'll see you next time on Learning for Good. Hey friend, was this episode helpful for you? Did you like what you heard? Do you want more content like this? Here are three things you can do. Hit subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. Share this episode with a colleague. This means so much to me personally. I read every review, but it also helps me learn what content you like most so I can create more of what you want. All right, turn that Teams or Slack chat back on when you're ready, and I'll see you next time on Learning for Good.